0: This is the first of four messages in a tape series entitled Lessons in Loving. In this message, we're going to examine relationships and meaning, the role of relationships in our lives, and how essential they are for experiencing human happiness. We all know that without relationships, we lead very lonely lives. Without relationships with others, we live for self alone, And even our happiness turns out to be quite empty. There's something about happiness that wants to be shared. In fact, it's probably impossible to hold on to happiness very long without sharing it with others. Growing in relationships is probably one of our greatest human challenges. And it's a challenge in which many people are failing these days, precisely because they haven't learned the skills that they need in order to grow in their relationships. Providing a look at these relationship skills, discussing them, providing guidance as to how we can grow in them in our lives will be the concern of this tape series. Let us begin by reflecting on different experiences that people have had in relationships. First of all, we we know of stories of people who seem to have had it all, but who failed in their relationships people, let us say, who were wealthy, who had good careers, who did well in school, but who failed in their relationships, and so were very lonely and very miserable, and died in a state of unhappiness. As the Viennese psychiatrist Victor Franco put it, when love faileth, work will not suffice. And so we see that you can gain the whole world, as Jesus said, and lose your very soul in the process. Money can't buy me love is another statement which we heard from the Beatles. So life without quality relationships, life without love, is probably a life that is not worth living. On the other hand, we know of stories of people who seemed to not have very much going in the worldly sense maybe their careers weren't all that outstanding they weren't that wealthy they didn't do all that well in school didn't seem to be all that bright and intelligent they were not listed in any who's who and for all practical purposes they were ignored by the well to do in society but their relationships were strong their marriages were happy they loved their children they had friends, and so their lives seemed to be happier. Which would you choose? A life in which there was wealth, high status, career advancement, and so forth, but with empty relationships? Or would you prefer a life in which you were maybe poor, not so advanced in social status, but nonetheless had good strong relationships? I hope you would choose the latter. Ideally, we could have a little bit of both in our lives, perhaps a little wealth and education, satisfying career with healthy relationships. What I'm pointing out here is the priority that relationships should be in our lives, and the importance of relationships in helping us to experience human happiness. Part of my vocation is as a counselor. And as a counselor, I have come to see many times that relationships are indeed a struggle for many today. I've counseled with many young couples who seemed to have a great deal of love for each other when the marriage began, but through the years were unable to hold it together, usually because they had not learned the skills necessary to keep their love alive. And so one of the questions I asked myself through the years is, can we teach people to love? Love is a mystery, for sure. Love, as St. John says, is God, and God is love. But can we teach people the skills that they need to learn in order to plug themselves into God, in order to have their relationships rooted in God? And I believe the answer to this is yes. That we can teach people to love. We can help people to fall in love with each other again. We can teach people the skills they need to learn in order to grow in friendships. We can teach people skills that will help them to get to know themselves and understand themselves better. And finally, we can teach people the skills that they'll need to learn in order to grow in a sense of God's presence in their lives. Discussing these skills will be the concern of this tape series, which is, by the way, modeled on a book that I've written entitled Lessons in Loving, a book that will appear in print uh, in late 1988 or early 1989 by Liguri Publications. The point I would like to begin with now is in discussing relationship potential as a kind of human intelligence. Now we're used to speaking of human intelligence In terms of our capacity to do math mathematics, to read, and to write, to maybe do certain kinds of artistic work. We're maybe used to thinking of human intelligence as something that can be measured with an IQ test, so that the the larger the number, the greater the number in the IQ test, the more intelligence you would have. There is an exciting book by a Harvard professor, Howard Gardner, the book entitled Frames of Mind, in which Gardner discusses human intelligence in a much larger sense. Not only are we talking about IQ or verbal and mathematical skills, Gardner says we should also consider our capacity for relationships as a kind of human intelligence as well. And so in his book, He discusses seven human intelligences one of them would be of course the one that we're very familiar with linguistic intelligence our capacity to handle words to communicate verbally with one another another would be logical and mathematical intelligence our capacity to discriminate and to understand and recognize the causal connections between concepts, numbers, ideas, and so forth. A third kind would be musical intelligence, our ability to handle pitch, timber, and rhythm. A fourth intelligence would be spatial, our ability to recognize the environment in which we live and to recreate aspects of that environment, either in sculpture or in architecture, in art of some kind. A fifth is body kinesthetic intelligence our ability to make our bodies do what we want them to do to handle some object with our body to move our bodies I think here of Larry Bird turning around and making a jump shot and seeing the basketball go through the goal this requires a tremendous amount of body intelligence he doesn't think about how hard he has to throw the ball how high and so forth his body knows how hard he has to throw the ball because he's practiced so much so those are five of the intelligences and we we do teach them to some extent in our schools the other two that Gardner lists would be intrapersonal our capacity to discriminate among our feelings to label them and to understand their relation to other psychic processes so intrapersonal Refers to our capacity to relate with self to Know oneself and to understand oneself And finally his seventh intelligence is interpersonal our ability to communicate With others on a feeling level to understand what's going on with other people on a feeling level Now of the seven intelligences that Gardner has discussed we can note quite readily that school is a place where we depend on at least three or four of them being taught. We do some work at home in the area of linguistic intelligence. We do teach our children when they're very young what the ABCs are. We teach them to count. Maybe we can teach them a few simple reading kinds of skills. But by and large, one of the reasons that we send them to school is precisely so that they can learn to read and to read and to write in a correct manner and to express themselves in this way we also teach our children a few things in mathematics and in art but again we depend on formal schooling to bring this intelligence out in them most schools provide for some kind of physical education many of them teach children some rather complex physical skills and so there again school can be a place where physical or kinesthetic intelligence is taught the same holds true for musical intelligence school being a place where kids can learn something about musical intelligence but by and large the focus of schools through the years has been the three R's reading writing and arithmetic In any of the other of the seven intelligences which receives attention at school, has it happening as an extracurricular or an elective of some kind? One of the questions we need to ask then is, where are our children supposed to learn about intrapersonal intelligence and interpersonal intelligence? Where in other words are they supposed to learn to relate with one another? Surely we don't teach courses in our schools on relationship skills, although some schools are beginning to do just that. I believe the assumption is, is that what we're going to learn about relationships we'll learn from parents in the manner in which we relate with them. We'll learn from teachers in the manner in which we relate with them. We'll learn from our friends. In, in short, it will be a very informal kind of learning experience, uh, sort of a learn-as-you-go-and-learn-from-your-mistakes kind of experience. This may have been okay in the past, but it seems that people are not learning from this approach anymore. One of the reasons is that children don't spend as much time with their parents as they used to. I've read statistics which point out that back in the 1930s and even earlier young people averaged somewhere between three and five hours a day of involvement with their parents they helped out around the home they had many chores they were essential parts of the family business one of the reasons you had children way back when was because they could be helpful when they got older and so young people were through the years apprenticed for adulthood. They knew what adults did. They knew how adults acted. Adulthood was no great mystery to them, since they lived and and acted with adults for many hours each day. Contrast that three to five hours a day with a, another statistic that I came across recently, a statistic quoted often by the parent educator Stephen Glenn. And what Glenn has discovered in some of his research is that today parents spend only about 20 minutes a day involved with their children. And of this 20 minutes, some 15 of it is spent checking up, giving instructions, prodding them along to get them to school or to get them to bed or to get them to do their homework. In this 20 minutes a day, can we really teach our children very much about relationship skills? can we teach them what they need to know? I don't think we can. Another factor to consider is that children are spending many hours each day in front of the television and listening to the radio. Statistics here again point out just how much of that is happening. Many young people spend six hours a day watching television and or listening to the radio. What are they learning in these experiences About relationships what kind of modeling are they seeing in relationships and what kind of fruits are we seeing in their lives because of all this time spent watching a machine or listening to a machine what we've seen is that many young people grow up to be adults who don't know very much about relating with others in their relationships they struggle a great deal with compromising with negotiating With assertiveness. They struggle a great deal with self-concept and again it's because they haven't learned what they needed. I have a belief too that I can't substantiate with statistics but I think in the past 30 years or so our expectations in relationships have changed a great deal. I believe we're much more intolerant today in relationships that do not provide intimacy or a feeling of emotional connectedness with another this is especially true in relationships between man and woman in our romantic relationships no longer is a married couple satisfied to be in a contractual kind of marriage people want good feelings in their relationships they want to feel close to each other and if they don't feel that way they're much less likely to stick it out than they were years ago when maybe the expectation of intimacy was not quite so high as it is today have we learned the skills that we need in order to bring about intimate relationships intimate relationships are an exciting possibility for human beings they're a source of our happiness I'm not sure we can be happy if we don't have intimate relationships in our lives and by intimate relationships i'm not just talking about romantic relationships but that we also would have friends people that we can talk to about almost anything people we can bear our souls to the psychologist carl jung stated that if you have a person in your life that you can talk to in this manner that you can bear your soul with let them know who you are and what's really going on if you have such a person in your life you'll never to worry about your mental health and I believe he's right about that only in order to have a relationship like that you need to be able to practice certain kinds of relationship skills in order for them to get to know you in order for you to know your part in the relationship so if we consider intrapersonal and interpersonal potential as a kind of human intelligence then maybe we ought to start treating it in the same way that we treat other kinds of human intelligence. We spend a great deal of money each year to send our children to school to learn reading, writing, arithmetic, and now we're teaching them things about computers, we're teaching them physical education skills, but let's get back to the first point we made in this message. Can we really be happy without quality relationships? And I think, again, we must say the answer is no. We can't be. We may come out of our school systems with a 4.0 average and feel suicidal. And many young people feel just that way. Leo Biscaglia, the great educator and inspirational speaker whose books and tapes are so popular these days, tells a story of one of his students, a star student. She was doing very well in his class and then he noticed after a few weeks that she wasn't coming around anymore he started asking what had happened to her and discovered that that she committed suicide and that really set him off on a different course in his life really got him to thinking about what was important in life and what wasn't so important she was one of his better students and yet there she was person who was all that time very severely depressed And nobody knew about it, and she didn't know what to do about it either. And so he began teaching relationship skills in a course that he called Love, Love 101. It was for a non-academic credit, of course. It was what we might call an extracurricular course. But students came by the hundreds because the need was there, because they needed to learn the lessons in loving that they had not learned while growing up. So if we treat interpersonal and interpersonal potential as a human intelligence then maybe we ought to design courses or strategies for teaching those skills what do we do again with the other intelligences let us think of uh, for example what we do in the in the area of mathematical intelligence we decide what kinds of learner outcomes we would like to see students know in each year of their schooling. We develop lesson plans in which, for example, we would say by the third grade we want our students to to learn, to have learned how to add, to subtract, multiply, and divide. By the fourth grade we want them to have learned how to do that with fractions. By the fifth grade we keep adding learner outcomes. Maybe we need to do something like that in relationships. By the first grade, we want them to have learned what feelings are, for example. By the second grade, we want them to have learned the different ways people express feelings. By the third grade, we want them to have learned what feelings are teaching us about our inner states, and so forth. Wouldn't it be great if if we learned those kind of skills along with the rest? Here's another consideration. Gardner, in discussing the seven human intelligences, noted that we are not all gifted equally in all seven areas. And we know this just from our own experience. Some people have great gifts in the linguistic area. They can write very well, they can express themselves verbally, and that seems to come naturally. They have natural gifts in that area. And what schooling does is it brings out those gifts. The same might be true of musical intelligence. We all appreciate music. Most people do. And yet there's no doubt that some people simply can't carry a tune and can probably not do too well with a musical instrument. And yet there are others who do carry a tune very well, even as little children. They'll be humming along with the record. They'll be keeping the beat. And so we say they have an ear for music, which is another way of saying that they have great potential in the area of musical intelligence. Well, I think it might be true also that in the area of intrapersonal and interpersonal relationship skills, some people are more gifted than others. We all have potential in those areas, but surely some people have more potential than others that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to bring out the maximum potential in all. And yet there's no doubt, in my mind, just what I've observed in my own experience, that some people take to relationships quite easily. It seems to come naturally for them. At the beginning of the book Lessons in Loving, I recount an incident in which I spent with a parent who came to talk about a problem she was having with her fifteen-year-old daughter her fifteen-year-old daughter was in the sixth grade and was planning on dropping out of school when she turned 16 which would be in a few months and in the state of Louisiana you can do that and the mother was all concerned that her daughter was a failure in life because she wouldn't get her high school diploma and uh, she wanted me to figure out a way to keep her daughter in school at least to help her develop a strategy for talking her daughter into staying in school to give her some kind of incentive. What really bothered me was the mother thinking that her daughter was a failure because she was dropping out of school. And so I got her to talk about that. What makes you think your daughter is a failure? She said, well, you know, she's dropping out of school. She's going to be a dropout. The way she said that word dropout, I could tell it was a, a real stigma to her to be a high school dropout. Well, not even high school in this case. And yet it was very unrealistic to expect that this sixth grader would hang in there for many more years and graduate at the age of 21, 22, or 23 with a whole different group in which she had grown up with through the years. So we talked more about it, and I said, well, are there some things that this this girl knows how to do? And she says, oh, yeah, she's got a lot of skills. Uh, She's very involved in the church. Very involved in the community in fact she's taken some training from the church and learned how to do professional babysitting and she has extended this training to other girls in the community and started a little babysitting co-op of sorts well this girl might not have done well in the linguistic and mathematical areas which was why she was held back year after year but it sounded to me as though she really had some natural gifts in the intrapersonal and interpersonal areas that she could get along with people and that she was so confident of herself and her abilities even though she was just in the sixth grade that she had taken the initiative to start off a little business enterprise of her own and her mother showed me a picture of this girl and she was very pretty and so we got to talking then about what it meant to be a failure and maybe Maybe she ought not to pin that label on her daughter simply because she was dropping out of school. That maybe her daughter had other gifts which were not tested in school, gifts in the intrapersonal and interpersonal realm, the realms which are most likely to bring us happiness in life at any rate. So here's a young girl who had a lot of natural potential in the intrapersonal and interpersonal realm and went through a little training experience in her church which helped to bring some of that out and helped to give her some kind of confidence. And that's what I think needs to happen to more people. They they have a lot of potential in these areas but just have never been exposed to anything which brings that potential out. Okay. Here's something else that needs to be considered in speaking of relationships as a kind of intelligence. It's that these relationship skills can be taught and learned, skills in the interpersonal and interpersonal areas. But learning them is probably going to require that we go through a period of awkwardness before we become comfortable with them. And that's pretty true of any kind of learning experience. For example, learning to drive a an automobile, which requires a number of different kinds of intelligences, body kinesthetic, a certain amount of mathematical intelligence, spatial intelligence, and so forth. I remember when I was learning to drive a car, I was very, very self-conscious about everything at first. Was I turning the key the right way? Was I pressing on the right pedals? Did I have the shift in the right gear? Uh, Was there anybody behind me? Uh, Was I stopping too fast? Uh, Was I putting the signal light on too early? And so I was really in my head in the early part of my learning experience in driving a car. As time went along, these kinds of things came naturally. So that now, as a driver of uh, some 20 years, I don't think too much about those kinds of things anymore. It seems that I just get in my my car or my truck and I start it up and I take off and uh, when I need to do something I do it and it comes more or less automatically. This was true of all the other intelligences of mathematics. There was a time in our lives when we did not know what five times six was and we were drilled in the multiplication tables we put them down on tests we were probably pretty self-conscious about it and then there came a time, and it's hard to say when, when something inside of us knew what five times six was, and we'll probably know it for the rest of our lives, unless we have some kind of problems, mentally, later on. It became second nature. And, and so that seems to be true of any kind of learning, is we begin with a period of awkwardness and self-consciousness, practice, 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 again and again, and then finally, the skills become second nature. And that's probably what's going to have to happen in the area of relationship skills as well. That certainly has been the case in my life, in which I entered young adulthood with some pretty good relationship skills. But other, in other areas, there were uh, many skills that I just had not yet learned. In fact, there were some things I had to unlearn before I relearned healthy ways and learning them brought me through a period of extreme self-consciousness. Was I doing the right thing? Was I saying the right thing? Would there be another way to do it? And it didn't seem very natural, and it didn't seem very spontaneous, and of course being natural and spontaneous is something that's of a great value in relationships. But if I'm being natural and spontaneous with unhealthy relationship skills, well that's not going to bring me what I want either, which is intimacy. And so we're going to have to go through that, and I just think there's no getting around it. That's the case with anything we learn in life, is going through that first period of awkwardness before it becomes second nature. For all the intelligences, there are three basic components that have to be in place if we're going to grasp them. And I've just mentioned one of them, which is practice, but another a very important component is that we have to be motivated to learn it. If we're motivated to grow in a certain area, then there's a good chance that we are going to grow in that area. If we're not motivated to grow in an area, then it's, it's almost guaranteed that we will not grow in that area. So motivation is one, and we might ask ourselves, do we really want to grow in our relationships? Do we really want to sharpen our relationship skills do we really want to know ourselves better get to know other people better get to know God better one of the things which motivates us is pain failures in relationships are usually a point which causes people to seek out relationship skills in most of the little workshops and lectures that I've offered on relationship skills the primary participants have been people going through divorce and separation people who've struggled with alcohol and drugs people who have suffered in their lives because of their lack of relationship skills so pain is one motivation but you can also have a positive motivation too and I hope you do and that's simply a desire to grow and to enjoy growth and the energy that comes in growing in relationships so motivation is one part The second part is that you know you have to know what you're doing you have to receive some information that will help you to grow in the area in which you're seeking that's why we send children to school they're not very motivated of course to learn verbal skills mathematical skills but we're hoping that a teacher there can motivate them and then give them the information that they need To know if they're going to grow in their potential and the third area is practice and there's no getting around practice 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 again going back to driving a car as a 15 year old I was very motivated to drive a car all of my friends were doing it and it meant for me a level of freedom that I hadn't enjoyed as a 14 year old if I could drive a car If I could get my license and go somewhere, then that was almost, for me at 15, the ultimate in human freedom. But the motivation was not enough. I needed some information on how to operate this complicated machine. And my father and my mother helped me to learn that information. And finally, there was practice, practice, practice. Driving up and down the driveway. Practicing double parking between some two-by-fours. Or parallel parking rather Uh, practicing stopping and going on old gravel roads where it was not likely that I'd hit anybody practicing in a parking lot and finally I learned those three components then we need to bring to our relationships motivation information and practice now the motivation part I, I cannot give to you you have to have that for yourself and chances are very good that if you're listening to this tape and you've stuck with it this long through this first part that you are a person who is motivated to grow in your relationships information I can give you and if you're motivated the information will be very helpful to you practice I cannot give to you practice is something that you're going to have to do yourself so motivation information and practice these are the three essentials for growing in any skill area and this applies for relationships as much as anything else now suppose we were to teach a course in relationships what would be our learner outcomes what would we want to see people learn during this course what would we want to see them know upon graduation How would we test them well unlike the other skill areas which can be tested in a different medium our relationships can only be tested in life itself however we could test some of the skills skills for listening skills for how we share feelings skills for how we negotiate and we could give feedback on that which is a final point that I want to make in this first tape is that learning about relationships is something that we cannot do alone. Yes, there is the book Lessons in Loving and many other books on relationships. In reading such a book and working the exercises in the book can be very helpful, but ideally even a book like Lessons in Loving is a book that should be worked in a support group of some kind. And it's my belief that such support groups are one of the greatest needs we have today many people are finding their way into groups of this sort I think for example of Alcoholics Anonymous Al-Anon a new kind of support group called codependency anonymous these are groups where people are learning the relationship skills and supporting one another in their growth and relationship skills well this is also something i believe that we ought to be doing in the church what we're about what we say we're about as christians is about teaching people to love as christ loved well i can think of perhaps no better way to do that than to teach them relationship skills and to support them in their growth in relationship skills so let us begin in this study of relationships with a firm commitment to practice, to learn, and to stick with it. Ideally, if you can go through this tape series with others and listen with others and talk about the lessons that will be presented in the messages which follow, you would have an ideal environment, an ideal circumstance for growing in relationship skills. That's the end of number one.